Hi, Suspect listeners. Happy Tuesday. I hope that everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend and that everybody enjoyed the extra day off if you got one and that everybody celebrated appropriately and got to spend some time with your families. I'm so glad to be back recording this week. I, again, just have had a lot going on, and like I mentioned in my last episode, if I have time to sit down and record, I will. If not, I'm not going to, but just know that I am always looking into cases and taking notes ready, getting myself ready to record when I have the time. So I promise even when I'm not recording, I am not slipping up on making sure to stay on top of information and dive into these cases and just kind of stay on top of everything that's going on in our world. I feel like every week it's something new, so I want to make sure that I am present and factual with the information that I present to you guys, and I will not post an episode without doing so. So once again, I do hope that everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. We are finally in June. It's fucking summertime. I'm ready to have a hot girl summer, whatever you want to call it. I am ready to be out and just be in the sun and not have to worry about snow for a couple months, hopefully. So I'm really looking forward to that. I have been outside with the babies that I nanny like two or three times a day just because it's so nice outside and it just makes me feel good to have the sunshine hit my skin, I guess is all I'm trying to say. I have some exciting news. I will be going to Florida in about 10 days. My brother is getting married to his fiance, Megan, who I love very, very much. She is a lot like me attitude-wise, which it just works. For any of you that know me, you can picture this. It just works, okay? Um, So I'm very excited to go down there and be able to visit with my family and see my siblings My younger siblings actually have no idea that I'm coming, so I was on FaceTime with them this weekend, and they were both saying that they miss me, and they were like, we hope we get to see you soon, and next time you come, can we go for ice cream, and all this, you know, innocent little kid stuff, and I didn't tell them. I was just like, yeah, hopefully I get to see you soon. Maybe I'll surprise you. I don't know. We'll see. So my plan is... um, to just like be sitting at my dad's house and then they come in and I'm just like sitting at the kitchen table like I think my little sister will cry and my little brother he's kind of a little nerd I think he'll probably get like shy and run off or something but it's gonna be fun I'll definitely be posting some pictures up on the Instagram so if you guys are interested in my Florida trip at all you can stay tuned on Instagram (laughs) very very excited I'm so excited that the vaccine is out and that people seem like they have been getting that. I've heard more people getting it than I've heard of people not getting it. So I'm very, very hopeful that things go back to normal soon. I know here in Denver, they've already started to lift the mask mandate for vaccinated people in some of the stores and stuff, which I'm super excited for. Um, I'm personally still going to be wearing mine because I'm just so nervous, like, I don't know, this has been going on for so long. So I just feel like the mask is like a sense of security to me still. So I'm still going to be masked up for at least the next couple of months and just kind of see how things 
play out. Definitely in Florida as well. I'm pretty sure Florida got rid of their mask mandate in like, like fucking December. They were like, these Southerners are like, we are not fucking with this. We're done with this. Fuck this. Like, that's literally how it went. Um, so yeah, you Floridians, I'm still wearing my mask when I come because I'm now, I'm now a Midwest girl. So I can't be on no crazy Southern shit when I come down there. Okay. Just giving you a heads up. So there are a couple things. Well, first, let me just say, this is the Sam Little episode. I know a lot of you that are listening have been waiting eagerly for it. And I am so sorry. Like I said, I'm never going to bring you a half-assed case or half-facts or half-opinion. I'm bringing you straight facts And then I'm going to give you my opinion because I don't know how to keep my mouth shut. But nothing but straight facts at first. So this will be the Sam Little case episode. And I am so excited. I've been waiting to do this for a while as a lot of my listeners. Oh, excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. I have a little sinus infection. So don't mind the sniffling. I do not have COVID. I promise. I am good. (laughs) So yes, this will be the Sam Little episode. I'm so excited to finally talk about it with you guys and kind of just dive into it. I kind of just did the basics of the case because with this Sam Little case, there is so much information that when I was doing my notes, I was kind of a little bit overwhelmed at first because I didn't want to skip out on anything, but I knew that there was no way I I could have included everything from the article that I read. It would have been like a three-part episode, and I wanted to knock it out in one. So, again... Any information that you guys are able to find pertaining to or regarding to Sam Little that I do not mention, please send that to me because I will post it up. I will discuss it with you. I There's never going to be a time of the day where I'm not down to have a conversation about a case like this or any case in general. So please send me that information. Send me what you can find. Um, it's pretty crazy. But before we do jump into Sam Little today... There are a couple things that I want to talk about that we did discuss in the previous episodes. Those are just some re- just some cases that are going on, like the one from my hometown with Aiden Fucci and Tristan Bailey. And then, of course, we're going to talk about um, the most hated man in America, Derek Chauvin. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, we're going to go ahead and jump into that. Okay, so in our last episode, we did discuss Aiden Fucci and Tristan Bailey. For those of you that did not hear that and you're just tuning in, this happened in my hometown. A 14-year-old boy named Aiden Fucci brutally killed a 13-year-old girl named Tristan Bailey. They went to the same high school, um, which is how they knew each other. We don't really know the exact details as to why he decided to do this, motive-wise, but... That's the basics of what happened. In the last episode I did, I mentioned that the article I was reading said that Tristan Bailey had been stabbed over 30 times. I want to scratch that. The most recent the most recent article, the medical examiner comes out and says that Fucci stabbed Tristan Bailey over 114 times. Just want to make sure you guys hear that. Over 114 times. 
and 49 of those wounds were defensive wounds. So the medical examiner said that Tristan Bailey literally fought for her life. So they did announce recently that they will be trying Aiden Fucci as an adult. The murder weapon, which was a knife, was found near the pond, which was also where Tristan Bailey's body was found near. So May 27th, a grand jury meets in secret and they decide to charge Aiden Fucci with first degree murder. So since they decided to charge him with this first degree murder charge, it's automatically transferred to an adult court. They cannot uphold this in a juvenile court, this specific charge. So Mr. Fucci may be back in court by June 4th, which is this Friday, and it says in this article that prosecutors will seek a life sentence without the possibility of parole for Mr. Aiden Fucci. These are the most up-to-date details that I was able to find regarding the case, and today is June 1st, Tuesday, so if I find any more information, I will definitely let you guys know, and I'll try to get an episode out I'll try to get an episode out by this weekend as well so that I can let you know what happened in court this Friday. But as for now, just know that they are planning on trying him as an adult and seeking life and sentence uh, and seeking a life sentence without the possibility of parole. And I'm be honest with you guys, I I've been learning a lot about like the death penalty and life imprisonment. I'm sure a lot of you listening have seen the movie Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. It is a movie based on the case of Walter McMillan, who was wrongfully incarcerated and placed on death row. Um, So I'm sure a lot of you have seen that movie, but I actually found the book that literally the book to that movie about two weeks ago and that book is written by brian stevenson who is the actual lawyer who helped mr walter mcmillian who helped mr walter mcmillian get off of death row and a couple other death row inmates as well but just diving into this book like mr stevenson is giving so much information and so many statistics that are all correct regarding the death penalty or those wrongfully incarcerated. And I'm learning so, so, so much. So like a month ago, if you would have told me that Aiden Fucci was going to be tried as an adult and prosecuted as an adult and that the prosecutors would seek life, that the prosecutors would seek a life sentence without the possibility of parole, I probably would have been like, hell yeah. Like he 100, 100% brutally murdered that girl. He 100% deserves that. But now after reading this Just Mercy book and hearing Brian Stevenson, this lawyer, dive into all of these just fucked up things. One, that we already know our system does, but two, what the prison system is doing. It's so much to explain, so much to explain that I think I decided that I'm going to do an episode on the Walter McMillan case and kind of just go over information that I've pulled from the Just Mercy book but I'm not really sure how where I stand at the moment on them trying a child as an adult, um, especially in the book Just Mercy. Mr. Brian Stevenson mentions multiple cases where he represent where he represented 13 and 14 year olds who were being tried as adults and in an adult prison, a male prison, and it's just 
awful. Almost every single case he talks about is literally heartbreaking, even if they did commit the crime, right? So I think that we get lost in a lot of times we're like, oh, he did this awful thing. He did this. He deserves whatever happens to him. And I completely understand understand that mentality, especially when it's a brutal crime. But the thing that we're not realizing is that these people can still be rehabilitated. And I'm not saying all of them can, but I'm saying it's kind of really biased of us to watch somebody commit a crime, watch them get arrested, and think that that's just who they are forever. That's not the case. And it doesn't change the fact that this crime they committed was horrendous and awful, gut-wrenching. But it should maybe waver the opinion on locking a 14-year-old up for the rest of his life. Just my opinion. I know personally I see myself change month to month. So I'm not saying that I'm a criminal, but I'm saying maybe we should be a little more understanding and open with the people that are looking to be rehabilitated and be different. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if Aiden Fucci is that person. I've never met him. He's a 14-year-old boy. But for those of you listening who are interested in learning more about what I'm saying, go get the Just Mercy book, start reading it, and you let me know how you feel by like page 80. I'll, I'll literally give it until page 80 about minors being prosecuted as adults. Please go check that out. Please send me any opinions that you have. I'd love to dive into this conversation with anybody listening. I just personally feel like my heart and my opinion is being changed on this because of what I have been reading and learning. So does Aiden Fucci need to be handled so that justice so that justice for Tristan Bailey can be served? Absolutely. Is the right way to go about it? trying a 14 year old as an adult and putting him in a male prison when we know what happens in those prisons i don't know makes me a little sick to think about but like i said i'm gonna keep reading i'll let you guys know more information on this aiden fuchi case and we will definitely do an episode on the just mercy book so please go look into that send me any information you find let's talk Okay, so the last thing that I just briefly want to mention, um, like I said, the most hated man in America, Derek Chauvin. So we all know that he was convicted of murder and George Floyd's death, but he is scheduled to make an initial appearance Tuesday, which is today, in federal court to face charges alleging that he violated George Floyd's civil rights by pinning him to the pavement with his knee. So Derek Chauvin is scheduled to appear in federal court via video conference from Minnesota's maximum security prison in Oak Park, in Oak Park Heights, where he's being held as he awaits his sentencing following the April conviction on murder and manslaughter charges. So as we know, the federal charges allege that Chauvin violated George Floyd's rights as he restrained him face down while he was handcuffed, not resisting, and gasping for air. Chauvin is also charged in a separate indictment alleging that he violated the rights of a 14-year-old boy in 2017. So this other indictment charge that they're discussing with Chauvin alleges that he de- deprived a then 14-year-old boy, a black boy, of his right to be free of unreasonable force when he held the teen by his throat, hit him in the head with a flashlight, and held his knee on the boy's neck and upper back. 
while this while this boy, this same seven, 14-year-old boy, I'm sorry, this same 14-year-old boy was handcuffed and not resisting. According to a police report from that 2017 encounter, Chauvin wrote that the teen resisted arrest and after the teen, who Chauvin describes as a six foot two and about 240 pounds man, was handcuffed, Chauvin used his body weight to pin him to the floor. The boy was bleeding from the ear and needed two stitches. That encounter was one of several mentioned in state court filings that prosecutors said showed Chauvin had used neck or head and upper body restraints seven times previously dating back to 2014. In four of those instances, state prosecutors said that he went too far and held the restraints beyond the point when such force was needed under the circumstance. So like we know, Chauvin was convicted in April on the state charges of second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in George Floyd's death. Experts say he will likely face no more than 30 years in prison when he is sentenced June 25th. If convicted in the federal case, any federal sentence would be served at the same time as his state sentence. The other former officers that were facing charges in aiding and abetting both second-degree murder and manslaughter, they are free on bond and face state trial in March of next year. (laughs) March of next year. So one more thing in this article, and this is a News for Jack's article that I'm referencing um, that you guys are able to go find, but one more thing that I wanted to mention that I felt like was crucial It says to bring federal charges and deaths involving police, prosecutors must believe an officer acted under the color of law or government authority and willfully deprived someone's constitutional rights. That's a high legal standard. An accident, bad judgment or simple negligence on the officer's part isn't enough to support federal charges. Prosecutors have to prove the officers knew what they were doing was wrong in that moment, but did it anyway. The federal case sends a strong message about the Justice Department's priorities. When President Joe Biden was elected, he promised he'd work to end disparities in the criminal justice system. Federal prosecutors have also brought hate crime charges and death of 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. And the Justice Department has launched sweeping investigations into the police departments in Minneapolis and Louisville, Kentucky. So that is the update on the Chauvin case. It's like I always want to be hopeful when they're talking about they're doing these investigations into the police departments and yada, yada, yada. And it's like... I really fucking hope so. And let's crack down on all of this and get all of the corrupt out of the fucking law enforcement office so that people, people don't feel like a heavy weight is on their chest every time a fucking police car passes them. Like, Jesus Christ, it has just gotten fucking ridiculous at this point. Fucking ridiculous. So Chauvin's court is set for June 25th. Again, I will make sure that's on my calendar noted so I can be keeping up with that and keeping you guys updated as to what's happened with that as well. I don't really know what they're going to do sentencing wise. I think that, I don't know. Obviously I can hope for a life imprisonment. Um, I'm not sure that will happen though. 
And I'm sure those of you listening already know this, but if you don't, they cannot put somebody on a death penalty charge if the murder was unintentional, quote unquote. There's no way they can do that. So I doubt he gets that. Just for those of you listening, go ahead and get that out of your head. Um, We just got to be realistic and know, just know your court shit. Know what to expect. Know what to anticipate, I guess is all I'm trying to say. So I'll keep you guys updated on both of these cases, the Aiden Fucci and the Derek Chauvin case. Aiden Fucci, again, has court possibly by this Friday, June 4th. Derek Chauvin court on June 25th for his sentencing. And again, if you find any more information regarding either of these cases, please send that over to me. I greatly appreciate that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into Sam Little. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump into today's case, Sam Little. This is actually so crazy to me because this is a case that I had not heard about. Like, I think I was just listening to a podcast one day. Um, I listened to like 10 crime podcasts and then like some Bachelor podcasts, but I was listening to a crime podcast and I heard this case and I started listening to it. And I was just mortified and taken back that I had not fucking heard of this case yet because I feel like any big name case I've probably heard of, like even the ones that aren't super well known, like I still know information regarding them. So when I heard this and I was listening to the podcast and realized I did not know any of the details, I immediately wrote his name down and went home and started doing my own notes to share those with you guys. So, as I mentioned, I just kind of had to take the most basic facts from the articles I was reading because there was an abundance of information and I literally would have had to turn this into like a three-part episode. So, once again, encouraging you to do your own research, send me what you find. I'm sure that's probably really tiring to hear me say 17 times throughout every episode, But it's very important to me that we're actually doing our research and we're not just taking information that other people are giving us and running with that. Look up everything I'm saying. Tell me if I said something wrong. Tell me if I missed something. Tell me if I should have added more information to one of my sentences. I want to be corrected and I want to learn and be educated in every single fucking way possible. So... Sorry if I say that too much, but that's very, very important to me. And I feel like that should be very important to everyone. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay, guys, here we go. I'm going to jump right into the Sam Little case. So Samuel Little was born on June 7th, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia to his mother, which Sam later claims that his mom was a prostitute. Soon after his birth, Sam's family moved from Lorraine, Ohio. Oh, sorry. Soon after his birth, Sam's family moves to Lorraine, Ohio, which is where he was raised mainly by his grandmother at this time. He attends Hawthorne Junior High School, where he had problems with behavior and his academics. In 1956, after being convicted of breaking and entering into a property in Omaha, Nebraska, Sam was held in an institution for juvenile offenders. Sam moves to Florida to live with his mother in his late 20s. He was working at various times as a cemetery worker and an ambulance attendant. This is by his own account. 
Sam then says that he began traveling more widely and had more run-ins with the law, being arrested in eight states for crimes that included driving under the influence, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and rape. So it's like you're just off to a fucking great start here, Sam. You are off to a great start, apparently. Sam later claims that he took up boxing during his stints in prison, referring to himself as a former prize fighter. And it's like, yeah, I'm fucking sure you are, buddy. I'm really sure that you were just Mike Tyson in this bitch. I'm fucking positive of it. In 1961, Sam was sentenced to three years in prison for breaking into a furniture store in Lorraine. He was released in 1964. By 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 states for crimes including, here we go, theft, assault, attempted rape, fraud, and attacks on government officials. So in my mind, he's just getting more and more comfortable committing these crimes. And that's a constant, not a constant, that's a similar trait that we see in a lot of serial criminals is that they start small and they just keep kind of like advancing it more and more and more. And they're getting more and more comfortable with it. And they just keep progressing what the actual crime is. In 1982, Sam was arrested in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and charged with the murder of 22-year-old Melinda Rose LaPree, who had gone missing in September of that year. A grand jury declined to indict Sam for her murder. However, while under investigation, Sam Sam was transferred to Florida to be brought to trial for the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount, whose body was found in September of 1982. Prosecution witnesses identify Sam in court as the person who spent time with Mount on the night before her disappearance. Due to mistrust of witness testimonies, Sam was acquitted in 1984 in January. So now this is two separate instances where basically this motherfucker just got to walk off. Like, they're just like, oh, okay, well, you know what? Mm, We don't have enough. We don't have enough evidence to indict you. But then we hear cases where they literally have no evidence to indict these people. And these people are getting locked up on fucking death row. Like, I cannot... I could not stop thinking about Walter McMillan, the case in the Just Mercy movie. Like, there was no credible evidence. And when you guys read this book, like, you'll see it. It's way more detailed than the movie. But there's no credible evidence that they held this man on death row for as long as they fucking did. And then we have cases like this where it's like, okay, well, you know, we're we're just not going to indict you. We're going to fuck it. We're not going to acquitted squared. Like, what the fuck? So after this little shindig and he gets acquitted in January of 1984, Sam moves to San Diego, California. In October 1984, he was arrested for kidnapping, beating, and strangling 22-year-old Lori Barros, who survives. One month later, he was found by police in the backseat of his car with an unconscious woman, also beaten and strangled in the same location as the attempted murder of Lori Barros. He tells the police that he just had a dispute with his wife, and that's what was going on when they walked up on him. 
So Sam serves two and a half years in prison for both of these crimes. Upon his release in February 1987, he immediately moves to L.A. and he commits more than 10 additional murders. So this is the thing. He gets acquitted twice, gets arrested for these two awful crimes against women, and then serves two and a half fucking years for both of the fucking crimes. Our justice system. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So Sam Little was arrested again on September 5th, 2012 at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky, and he was extradited to California to face a narcotics charge. So why they bring him back to California to face this narcotics charge, authorities Authorities used DNA testing to establish that he was involved in the murders of Carol Eileen Elford, killed on July 13, 1987, Guadalupe Duarte Apodica, killed on September 3, 1987, and Audrey Nelson Everett, killed on August 4, 1987. All three women were killed and later found on the streets in Los Angeles. He was extradited to Los Angeles, where he was charged on January 7, 2013. A few months later, the police said that Sam was being investigated for involvement in three dozen murders committed in the 1980s, which until then had been undisclosed. In connection with the new circumstances in Mississippi, the LaPree murder case was reopened. In total, hear me clearly, suspect listeners, In total, Sam Little was tested for involvement, hear me clearly, in 93 murders of women committed in many of the U.S. states. Sam was tried for the murders of Elford, Nelson, and Apodica in September 2014. The prosecution presented the DNA evidence as well as testimony of witnesses who were attacked by the accused at different times throughout his criminal career. On September 25th, 2014, Little was found guilty and and sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. On the day of the verdict, Sam continued to insist on his innocence. Before his death on December 30th, 2020, so just literally like six months ago, Sam was serving a sentence at the California State Prison in Los Angeles County. On November 9th, 2018, Sam confesses to the 1996 fatal strangulation of Melissa Thomas. On November 13, 2018, Sam was charged with the 1994 murder of Denise Christie Brothers in Odessa, Texas, after having confessed this crime to a Texas Ranger in May 2018. Sam pleads guilty to the murder of brothers on December 13th and received another life sentence. The Ector County, County, Texas District Attorney and Wise County, Texas Sheriff's Office announced on November 13th that Sam Little had confessed to dozens of murders and may have committed more than 90 across 14 states between 1970 and 2005. On November 15, 2018, the Russell County, Alabama District Attorney announced that Sam Little had earlier that month confessed to the 1979 murder of 23-year-old Brenda Alexander, whose body was found in Phoenix City, Alabama. 
In the fall of 2018, Little confessed to the 1982 murder of 55-year-old Dorothy Richards and the 1996 murder of 40-year-old Dacey McGuire. Both of their bodies were found in Huma, Louisiana. On November 19, 2018, Harrison County, Mississippi Sheriff Troy Peterson said that Little had confessed to strangling 36-year-old Julia Critchfield in the Gulfport area in 1978 and dumping her body off a cliff. On November 16, 2018, Macon, Georgia sheriffs announced that Sam Little had credibly confessed to the 1977 strangling murder of an unidentified woman and the 1982 strangling murder of an 18-year-old Fredonna Smith. So sorry, I guess I should have mentioned before I started just reading into all these confessions is that the way I'm doing this is I'm not giving you details on every single murder that he committed, but basically how it happened. Like they literally were able to convict him in these three murders and then they arrest him and then he just starts confessing to all of these different murders. So literally the, the police are like trying to put all this together. Like he's just confessing to the shit and they're trying to match it to cold cases or shit that had been closed or like whatever the case may be. So sorry, I should have mentioned that, but yeah, he's just confessing, confessing, confessing. <laughs> On November 20th, 2018, Lee County, Mississippi law enforcement officials announced that Little had admitted to killing 46 year old Nancy Carol Stevens in Tupelo, Mississippi in 2005, and that case would be presented to a grand jury in January 2019. On November 21st, 2018, Richland County, South Carolina authorities announced that Little had confessed to murdering 19-year-old Evelyn Weston, whose body was found near Fort Jackson, South Carolina in 1978. Little confessed to having killed 20-year-old Rosie Hill in Marion County, Florida in 1982. On November 27, 2018, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, announces that a violent criminal apprehension program team had confirmed 34 of Little's confessions and was working to match the remainder of Little's confessions to known murderers or suspicious deaths. Little began making the confessions in exchange for a transfer out of the Los Angeles County prison in which he was being held. One included his confession to a previous cold case homicide in Prince George's County, Maryland. Previously, one of only two homicide cases in the county with unidentified victims. In December 2018, Little was indicted for strangling Linda Sue Boards, 23, to death in May 1981 in Warren County, Kentucky. Her body was found on May 5th, 1981 near U.S. Route 68. One of Little's victims was identified in December 2018 as Martha Cunningham of Knox County, Tennessee, who was 34 years old when Little murdered her in 1975. On May 31, 2019, Suhoga County, Ohio prosecutors announced indictments with four counts of aggravated murder and six counts of kidnapping that accused Little of killing Mary Jo Payton in 1984 and Rose Evans in 1991 in Cleveland. Both victims were strangled and dumped. The body of Rose Evans, 32, was found on August 24, 1991 in a vacant parking lot 
in a vacant parking lot, vacant lot, in a vacant lot on East 39th Street. She left her hometown of Binghamton, New York, when she was 17. Evans had been strangled, according to the coroner, Elizabeth K. Barrage. As for Mary Jo Payton, an anthropologist had to create a model of what she looked like, but she remained unidentified until 1992 when Cleveland put her thumbprint into an FBI database and got a match. Sam Little picked up Mary Jo Payton at a bar near East 105th in Euclid Avenues. He described her as a short, plump woman in her 20s with brown hair. Little confessed to killing another Cleveland woman in 1977 or 1978. The woman murdered in 1977 or 1978 was found on March 18, 1983 in the Wilby Hills, Ohio, according to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. She was likely black and somewhere between 17 and 35 years old. The woman's body had been dumped down a grassy slope near a fence in a wooded area just off of Interstate 271. When her body was found by a man walking his dog, only her skeleton, some clothing, and some jewelry remained. Which is just, like, so fucking tragic. I mean, obviously, this is all fucking tragic, but, like, just killing and dumping someone, like, ah. It's so awful. Like, this poor girl just laid there for months and months and months. Disgusting. Little confesses to killing one woman in Akron, Ohio, two in Cincinnati. One of the bodies was dumped outside of Columbus, Ohio, and one woman he met in Columbus and disposed of in Kentucky. Of the two women that Sam mentioned that he murdered in Cincinnati, one was identified as Anna Stewart, 33, whose body was dumped in Grove City, Ohio. Anna Stewart was last seen on October 6, 1981, getting out of a cab at General Hospital to see her sister in the hospital, which is now the University of Cincinnati Academic Health Center. Anna was killed on October 11th. Okay, so on November 20th, just about seven months ago, six months or a month before he died, I'm sorry, seven months ago from now, a month before Sam Little died, Sam confesses to two Florida murders, for one of which another man had been wrongfully convicted of. Little dies on December 30th, 2020, in a Los Angeles County area hospital. Although California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation Sources indicate no final determination as to the specific cause of death, Sam Little suffered from diabetes, heart problems, and other health conditions, which could have been the result at any of those. So that, I feel like I'm out of breath. That is the case of Sam Little. Um, Like I said, it was just kind of basic facts. And then they didn't really start putting all of this together until he started fucking confessing. And then they were like, wait, holy shit, you were behind all of these? And this case is so crazy to me because like, Cases like Ted Bundy or like Jeffrey Dahmer, like those are the glorified cases. And this motherfucker killed more than both of them combined. And I'm not saying we should give him an award for that, but I'm saying that there are some sick ass people out here that a lot of us might not know about and might be interested in learning more about. (laughs) So yeah, please, if you guys can find any information or documentaries on this, send it over to me. Um, 
it's fucking crazy. I truly feel so bad for all of those victims and their families. That's a hell of a lot of victims and families. Like, and props to police for, you know, being able to break all this down and actually figure it out. So that is pretty crazy. But that is the case of Sam Little, a case that a lot of you have been waiting for, a case that I have kind of been dreading doing just because of how heavy it is. Um, but yeah, we got it done. We fucking did it. Thank you for you guys. Shout out to you guys for fucking listening. I appreciate that. Couldn't do that without you. Um, if you guys have any cases that you would like me to cover, you can send those over to suspectpodcast1 at gmail.com. Send them over on Instagram at suspectpodcast. You can also send them to my personal Instagram at Katie, K-A-T-I-E underscore Kennedy, K-E-N-N-E-D-D-Y on Instagram. So any of those three socials, you can send those over to. We'll definitely get the case on here. We'll, I'm saying we like it's anybody else on the podcast with me. I will definitely get your case on here. But I actually do have some exciting news. So drum roll. Drum roll with me, please. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of you who follow me on Instagram already saw this. But I have a friend of mine. Her name is Hannah And we have been friends for a very long time, since like seventh grade. She was, um, when I was living in Florida, actually, and I moved out of my dad's house and I moved in, no, I moved out of my, I'm sorry, sorry, scratch, scratch, Katie. When I was living in Florida and I was in junior high and I moved out of my mom's house and I moved into my dad's house, I didn't fucking know anybody. Like my first day of seventh grade, like I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. And Hannah came up to me and asked me to sit with her because she could tell that I didn't have anyone to sit with. And we've been friends ever since. And that is truly, truly the kind of heart that she has always had. Very giving, open, understanding. And I love her so much. Anyway, Hannah went to FSU, Florida State University. Go Knowles. Whoop. Um for criminology. So she has a lot of knowledge and information on the thing that I'm trying to talk to you guys about every fucking week. (laughs) So I decided that a couple months ago, I was going to ask Hannah to be on here, but you know, we both have just had stuff going on. So this week, Hannah and I will be connecting to bring you guys a joint episode on Chris Watts, and Scott Peterson. Both of those, yes, you fucking heard me correct. You heard it here first. Chris Watts and Scott Peterson on the same fucking episode. Ah! Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm very excited. Yeah, I don't know if that's been done yet, but I'm very excited. Hannah is very intellectual, very, very smart, and I am excited to hear her do that case. So make sure you guys are tuning in for that because I think that we're recording that tonight. So hopefully that will be out by the weekend. So fucking excited. It's going to be a great case. Hannah and I have great energy conversation wise. So it's really going to be a treat and I'm very excited to just fucking record the shit in general. Um, but yeah, so make sure you're staying tuned out for that. Make sure you check out the podcast website, suspectpodcast.com. There's still some shirts and stickers up there. If you guys are interested in ordering any of those, hopefully we'll have a new logo coming out within the next couple weeks, but I'm pushing off all my responsibilities until after this Florida trip, I decided like 
that's what I'm doing. I'm just pushing them all off. <laughs> so we'll worry about the new logo and stuff after I get back from Florida. But yay! If you guys haven't already, please, 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 it takes two seconds to go rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And it literally helps so much. You have no idea. I feel like I say this a lot as well, but it really does wonders for the podcast and helping grow the audience. So please go do that. Share this podcast with a friend if you haven't already. I'm very excited about the next couple months on the podcast because I really have some great guests that I'm planning on bringing on and they are all fucking amazing. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're sending this to people that are interested in true crime. And... I hope everybody has a wonderful short week. We will be back to the weekend before we know it. Um, I hope everybody either got their vaccine or they're still wearing their mask. And I hope everybody, um, I hope everybody is in therapy. (laughs) I'm not. I was for a while, but I feel like I need to get back into it because I feel like it just helps so much mentally. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you need therapy, but you haven't signed up for it or you're feeling bad because you just signed up for it, don't because your girl needs therapy too. I'm looking to sign up. We can have a therapy group discussion on the podcast every week. I'm fine with that. We're all going to get through the days day by day together. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. Really, honestly. (laughs) Well, until the next episode, I love you guys. Please be nice to people. Please smile at everyone you see. It literally could change someone's entire fucking day. Love you guys. Bye. He killed the other women between 1980 and 1999. The Jane Doe was anywhere from 15 to 50 as the details of her age and the date of her murder were very unclear. She was black, slender, wore glasses, and lived in the over-the-Rhine neighborhood of Cincinnati with a heavy with a heavy female who was Hispanic. Little left her beside a cigarette. Little left her beside a cigarette billboard in Ohio. On June 7, 2019, Little was indicted in Hamilton County, Ohio, for murdering the two women killed in Cincinnati. Okay, and this is the thing that I want to talk about. So I know this has kind of just been all facts, back to back to back. You guys have to look this up. So basically, um, the police come up with this idea to possibly have him draw sketches of some of the women that they may, that he murdered, hoping that they would be able to reconnect these portraits that Sam drew from memory to some of the cold cases or cases that had been closed that... You know, they hadn't really been able to find any information on. So he fucking does this, you guys. I swear to God, you can look this up. He draws these portraits. He draws 26 of them of portraits of women that he killed. These portraits are released by the FBI in hopes of someone identifying the women. At least one of these portraits has solved a cold case in Akron, Ohio. But I want you guys to go look these portraits up. They are fucking eerie. And just knowing that Sam Little is the person that drew them, like, they're almost, like, spot on. Like, they're not, like, realism art-wise or anything like that. But they're, like, the cartoon versions of his victims. Like, it's fucking creepy. It is gut-wrenching. Go look up these photos. Literally, just look up Sam Little portraits and you will find them. It's so fucking creepy it's so creepy like 
I'm like, all right, sir, you couldn't have gone to art school instead of doing all this. You couldn't have become a Picasso Jr. or some shit like that. No. 